Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to intriguing people with unique stories, backgrounds, stories to tell, horror stories, and tales that are going to fascinate us from across the globe, and that will inspire a comedian like you and me to make this comedy journey on our own terms. Now, today's guest, he has a very unique name. He has Quinn which was, um, I was never a big fan of Glee, but I did fancy that lady called Quinn in the, that, that show, the first name of Quinn. And his surname is very unique. It has a nice sort of poetic sound. Is it Beasley or Baisley? Beasley. Beasley, Beasley. So it sounds a bit like uh, pastry. His surname sounds like a pastry. <laughs> and he's a man- That's the most English thing I've ever heard, who just relating my name to carbs. <laughs> Okay, I'll say uh, I'll say um, <laughs> McDonald's cheese sandwich. <laughs> Sounds like that. And he he's a man who has very different things happen. He's been a busker. He was in Canada, and now because he's very funny, he's coming to the British comedy scene and he's taking all our jobs. <laughs> That's right. I've I've come here as an immigrant. To steal your steal your um open mic sets that don't pay anything. Here it is. Welcome, Quinn Beasley. <laughs> hey, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. So, um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Like, um, tell us for anyone that tell wants to know, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Like, how did you get started in comedy, and what leads you to where you are today? Um. I was a, um, a circus performer forever. And then I started street performing and street performing was like, you had to be funny to do it. Like in order to hold a crowd for 40 minutes, you couldn't hold them for 40 minutes with tricks. You had to hold them there with humor. So I got really good at holding them there with humor. And I was like, well, I should probably do this on a stage instead of just on the street with no props. Let's see how that goes. So I started doing open mics. And then I kind of, you know, fizzle. I realized quickly there was no money in comedy. And I was just like, yeah, well, this is kind of lame. And then when the pandemic hit, I went like all in onto stand up because the street became illegal. Stand up uh, wasn't. So I just like went all in on stand up and fell in love with it. And you still do street performing now? You still do both? Yeah, it's my day job. It's my boring day job. Ah. That, that, yeah. that must and do you do, you do basque payments like on Zettel and all and sum up and all that? I use a sum up machine, the eyes that all sucks. It does, isn't it? I like sum up because you can use different accounts and just yeah, yeah it's good. Can it, it's got the, the, the reader in it, you know. And what's it like being like a street performer? I mean, there a lot of great comics have started off street performing. Like you hear about Dave Chappelle, you hear about um, Charlie Barnett. Robin Williams Stewart, as well. Smith. Yeah. Well, like, oh, I know Stewie. Yeah. Yeah. Stewie. He, I, I was, I mean, he's one's a great podcast as well, doesn't he? Stuart Goldsmith. It, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, one thing I've always been curious about is like, why do a lot of street performers do comedy? And what, what is it about street performing that helps a performer? Well, street performing is comedy. You're going out there and you're doing comedy for 40 minutes. You, you like I do I do three tricks in my show and I have a 40 minute show. So like the entire thing is comedy. How do you do the tricks? What is it? Are you a hula hoop man? Are you a magic man? What are you? 
hula hoop man <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard those in the same sentence hula hoop and man um no i uh, juggle fire on a 10-foot unicycle oh god yeah um, bloody hell how'd you do that <laughs> uh just I've, I've been doing that since i was like a kid since i was like 11 or 12 years old so this is like pretty much i've been doing it forever <laughs> you know and then i realized on the street i can make good money doing it it would would you make better money on the street than doing it in the actual no that's a silly question i mean it's more it's not as stable is it doing it on the circus but it's more stable doing it in the street is it if you street can never fire you Uh, (coughs) what i liked about the street was there was less politics less ass kissing although that that still exists in the street world but it's like when you're when you're doing gigs and like people are deciding like whether they're going to go with you or someone else there's like a whole political side to it that exists as well and i just didn't really like that and then when i found street it was like oh great no one can fire me i can go wherever and i can make the same or more amount of money depending on how hard i work so yeah it's kind of a no-brainer and it would you say it pays a lot more than stand-up as a whole if you if you're reasonably good at it because i've seen yes. some of them like in one stand-up hour stand-up pays nothing pretty much i mean with the yeah it's it, stand-up I mean, is shit until you're like famous so if you could to compare like doing a pro spot at top secret to actually i don't want to say that because that will put you in it if you're doing a pro, pro spot at top some of the clubs around the country in the U, in london how would that compare to one hour of street because i've seen some of the payment there and i think in one hour of street you could probably make more than maybe two or three days gigging Depends on the day. Top Secret actually pays okay, like per like considering per minute that you're up there. Okay. If I if I like, but it it, it also varies too, right? Because they do like a hat split at um, Top Secret. So like, nah, I definitely make more on the street. But on the street, it's it's uh, you don't get to say as much of what you want to say because you got to get their money, <laughs> right? You gotta you gotta not, you gotta appease the average person and be more family friendly. So it's like a little bit more, not fake, but like a little bit more like there's confines, there's constrictions on the street that don't exist in stand up and vice versa. Okay. And with street as a whole, how, how, what, what, what you say the keys to it? Cause I see, I, I've seen people do it and I've done it a bit myself. The most I've made is 10 pounds, but I found like heart, I was trying to do a bit of magic, but I think the main bit of it is getting people to stop. Once you've gotten to stop and to build yeah. a crowd up, I think that's the art of it. Then the rest of it is just doing your tricks and make sure they're well. Yeah, it's not what you do, it's how you do it, basically. It's so, not it's not about the tricks, it's about how you do them. Um, like, for example, like if you're doing one really big trick, if you do it and you satisfy the audience, they're gonna walk away. If you are about to do a really big trick and you set up your next trick that's even bigger after that you could do your first trick without people walking away so there's like a structure to making it work on the street okay so you do a little trick then a big trick then you keep building up towards the end where you get the real big shamali typically a street structure is you open with your second biggest trick and then your second trick is your third most impressive trick and then your finale is your most impressive trick 
And what is it you do to get people to stop? Like, I saw in some YouTube videos of street performers, like they, the guy just did tons and tons of tricks one after the other. Yeah, it doesn't work that well, but yeah, that can't. <laughs> uh, no, I find humor is what gets people to stop and stay. You make someone laugh, they don't want, no one wants to stop laughing once they're laughing. So you get someone laughing, they're like, hell yeah, I want to stay here until the show is over because I want to keep laughing and having a good time. It's more about that than anything else. So if, if, if I don't know, you, you, you saw someone, you were starting the show. Do you put, um, without going to details of the show, um, do you see someone on the street say, hello there, here's a little, would you like to stop for a second? And you go, hello there, would you like to stop? And then you put the music on, you start doing the tricks and you... Yeah, um, I mean, everyone's got a different approach to crowd building. I just talk. Like, I don't do a trick until I have a crowd. So I like I just I just talk and connect with people and get them laughing and cheering. And then once I got them laughing and cheering, then I'll do a trick. Okay. But you build, like, a, get a couple of them. Like, you get a couple of them to stop, and then you start doing that. Yeah, I won't do a trick until I have, like, at least 100 people stopped. Whoa, 100? Yeah. And, I mean... What do you get? Is it what is it about street performing that you think helps comedy as stand up? I mean, I've seen some of it. I feel like it's a lot more terrifying than doing stand up in a way because if you, there's no security, there's no distance in a way. Someone doesn't like you; they they can hit you right there. I don't know, dude. It's the same as stand. I mean, I think stand up's more terrifying than street, but. That's just me. I, I like with the street, like if you bomb, if you do badly, there's no booker that's like, oh, you suck. I'm not going to book you again. There's no social pressure. Like all the people that watched you, the moment you stop, are just going to walk away. They'll never see them again. So like I think street is the, the least terrifying thing to do. I mean, it sounds like it's terrifying. You're just going out there and putting yourself out there without the... The moment, like when you're on a stage inside, you're starting from like a higher status of just okay. like, oh, this guy has been placed on the stage. So he's obviously good enough to be there on the street. You're just fucking there. So you're starting from like a lower status place, which is what makes it more fun to like, you know, win over a crowd and, and do really well, you know. Do you, is so I mean, do, do you get any heckles with the street performing as a whole? Do you get anyone saying? Oi, Quinn, are you fuck, are you fuck, what, what the fuck's this? Oi, hurry up, get on with the tricks. Oh, yeah, that happens. You just tell them to shut the fuck up, and it's like usually fine. Could you perhaps do a street performance show without any tricks? I yeah, absolutely. I know people that do that. Or very do you, few. I mean, what are the... Because I know that Ivor Dembina does a thing called Two Jokes for a Pound. Do they do something sort of similar to that or they're literally that confident they can just start chatting, boom, and it's all sorted? Yeah, you just go out there and chat shit and be funny. It's like street street is all just it's stand up but outside. Do you do you occasionally squeeze bits in with your new material? A little bit, yeah. Like once I started doing stand up, like my street show definitely became a lot more original and a lot more mine. And uh, just because like street, there's a lot of like stock jokes that everyone kind of uses to like 
win the crowd over, or like walk by lines. So if someone's walking through your show, there's like a line for that, a line for that. Whereas like once I started doing stand up, like my show definitely became a lot more like streamlined and, and um, the biggest laughs being jokes that like I've written. Whereas like in stand up, that doesn't exist. There's no like stock stand up. I mean, there's stock themes and stuff, but you can't steal a joke and get away with it. Whereas like on the street, there's like a lot of that. Could you could you use in what way does sort of street performing help with stand up though? Um, a stage presence, being confident and speaking in front of a big group of people is huge. Because that, that's the biggest hurdle for most comics to to cross, right? Is like getting used to speaking on a microphone and not feeling nervous. And the thing with street is you could go out and do three, four, five shows in a day. Stand up, you can't do three, four, five sets in a night. Some people can, if you know, if you get lucky and all your gigs are close to each other. But street, you can just go, 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 go. Hmm. Say and in New York as well, which I find incredible. Like they can do ten gigs in a day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. New York's got a great comedy scene. In London, I think you could you could have done it twice a week before the pandemic, but now it's it's not not as much as. You, not not as much as that yeah i've had a couple nights where i've had like two or three sets in a night but it's been rare and i've been like as soon as my set is done i'm like hopping in an uber you know to like get the fuck out of there and get to the next place but i will say one thing one thing i always hear of canadian comics that you all come in here you you do smashing sets and, and you you all you're, you're stealing all the comedy jobs <laughs> that's right that's right i'm a i'm a I'm an immigrant just coming in to steal the work. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's Canada's in has produced a great load of comics that have done fantastic in London and in the US. I mean, what is it about? None of them have done well in Canada, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a funny thing. There's like, no hear... money there. Yeah. And, and what is the reason for like Canada not it being even more stricted than perhaps the UK and US in terms of purse strings? <laughs> Sorry, can you say that question again? Just so I understand it. So what is it that, why is, you said that there's no money in Canada in the comedy scene, but why is that? Uh, a big part of that is just economics. So you've got a population of about 25 million in Canada, maybe 30. I could be wrong about that, around 30 million. And you also have like the largest landmass of a country in the world, excluding like Russia. So you just the people are so spread out that there's not enough people in one area to have like a thriving comedy scene. Capitalism kind of drives like the entire thing. Right. And if there's just not enough demand in one area, there's not going to be enough work and enough jobs. But it is, is a, it is a country that is great for sort of building, building before you go. Like this really, it's a really good country for getting good at comedy because we, we don't do that. Like, weird lame thing you guys do here where you have to like email for open mic spots it's like <laughs> it's like always fucking freaked me out here i'm like what i gotta send an email to like get up at a fucking open mic in canada you just rock up to an open mic and put your name down because there's less people that want to do it so you can get up every night a week if you want to without having to do like a bunch of fucking admin uh or it's here you know you gotta do admin just to be an open micer which is yeah it's a you bit... gotta do admin to not get paid. It's fucking that... unreal. It's fucking unreal. 
Does that annoy you? <laughs> yeah, it really annoys me. Do you know what also annoys me while we're on the subject of what English people do that annoys me? Is calling open mics gigs. A, a, <laughs> gig, <laughs> a gig is when someone's paying you. They're like, yeah, I'm gigging. I got all these gigs. They're like, no one's paying you. You have a hobby. It's not a gig. <laughs> the other thing, I'm not done. The other thing is calling something a comedy club when it's really just a room in a basement. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got booked at a comedy club suite, and I like rock up, and it's just like, like, it's like a bar, and they're just like, oh yeah, in our basement, there's like four chairs and a mic stand. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You you sound like someone who's walked out of a gig. Have you done that? <laughs> never, never. I'm super happy. Like, I will do any gig under the sun. That's how you get good. Like, I'll, I'll do, I'll, I'll perform for four pigeons. Like, I don't give a fuck. I, I just don't like the. Um, I feel like there's a lot of like lying to ourselves over here. Just like, yeah, I'm, do I'm doing a gig. I'm like, no, you're at an open mic. No one's getting paid. And there's 30 of you. It's like, oh, I'm at a comedy club. It's like, no, you're not. It's a room in a bar with five people in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm, I'm, have you, have you ever, what, what, now, there's horror stories at gigs in Canada. There's, there's things that are the same in Canada. Like you have horror story gigs, you have good gigs that actually help you get better. But what would you say is the difference in terms of, I mean, the food's obviously different. I mean, British food is known for being terrible. Food here like, is terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Is, is Canada's food better? Yes, that was the only thing I missed. I went back and visited Canada like a few weeks ago or like a few months ago. And I was like, oh, I didn't miss the lack of freedom, but I did miss the food. What about the full English breakfast? Yeah, it's dog shit. Beans for breakfast? That's fucking insanity. Why not? Just just dip the toast in there. Beans for breakfast is an abomination. Beans are a dinner food. Oh, come on, man. It's good for fire. <laughs> Beans aren't good for you at all, but uh, not the type you put on your English breakfast. Dude. The English, English food is so disgusting that you'll literally order a breakfast roll and this is what they'll bring you. Bread, butter, bacon, bread. And they call it a sandwich. There's like zero nutritional value in that. It's just carbs and fat, no protein, no nothing. The food here is is outrageous. And the, the culture around food is outrageous. Okay, so what about, what about Canadian food? What's, what's the dish over there? Well, I, I don't know if this this is my speculation is that like the reason the food is better in Canada is because like a lot of our stuff is grown locally. We're not importing a lot of shit. So that's why the food culture is the food quality is better. But it's also just the I don't know. It's weird because England has so much more like culture and history and it's like so much better for the arts. But for some reason, when it's food, it's just like degenerate caveman behavior I don't, I don't know what it is yeah it's not really treated as much much care i mean the british yeah. food used to be a lot worse they, they changed and like marco pierre white was a chef that went over to france and went to different places and he sort of changed british cooking to be a little bit better than what it is now mm. yeah yeah no like the thing is, like i live in central london so like you, you can find like really good restaurants and stuff like that they exist but the average level of food here is is dog shit. <laughs> it's really bad. But the average respect for the arts in Canada is dog shit. So it's like you just you know you it's a give it's a give and take. You know, 
So really, so what, what's it like in Canada? Is how, how what are they like? They're like, listen here, you're do this is yuck yucks. You're doing it for five dollars. I don't care if you travel five hundred miles, bitch. Oh, it's not even that. It's not like yuck yucks isn't going to pay you or be good. It's just like I said, it's not a dense enough population in in most areas to have a thriving comedy scene and have everyone there making money. It's like that. That's really all it is. It's economics. At the end but of the day. But it's still like that in here in the UK. I mean, it, it pays better than what I hear in America as well. But the pay is still pretty low. Yeah, I went to Austin like a few months ago, Texas, and like I did a bunch of spots and didn't get paid a fucking cent. It was just like, oh, yeah, you're not famous. We don't need to pay you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what were you like? What were you like? You were like, listen here, fuck off. Or what, what, what was your response? <laughs> oh, I was like, dude, if someone wants to give me stage time, I'm cool. Like, because my day job pays me well enough i'm like dude stand up like i just i it's my main passion but i'm not like fucked if someone doesn't pay me you know you know what i mean like i just feel like stand-up's a silly thing to rely off for like a, a rely on for an income because like the income is only really like good enough to be a living once you're like kind of famous i mean here like they do kind of pay enough that you can like kind of scrape together a living but it's not really like that in most places I've, I've found personally. Yeah, I mean, I just spoke to um, Kevin J from Malaysia, and he's sort of like mm. fairly famous in Malaysia. He's got a big mm. following, but mm. it took him about maybe eleven years to get to get to a point where he could earn a full time living from comedy. Yeah, ten years. That's that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Ten years. Yeah, like I'm kind of a baby comic, but because I um, was street performing for so many years, I skipped that big step of like learning how to be good on stage like I was good on stage the moment I started because I've been performing on stage and telling jokes on stage for years just around the context of juggling and, and circus right um so when I started it was really just a matter of like getting my writing really good and and um, figuring out what I can do and get away with on stage when I don't have any props with me um but yeah it's uh the the average comic, I think like it takes them like two or three, four years before they're like not like completely cringe on stage, unless they're like an you know, have like an acting background. Hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that they they, 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 they they seem to be a big, big head start from one that's ones that haven't done anything. Yeah. Cause you'll see like I, I go like I always I go to open mics, like I'm a I'm a grinder, like I will be at Top Seeker like a couple times a month and you know, other clubs, but like I will always go to open mics because that's where you really find out how funny your shit is. Like if, if you can't kill in front of 10 people, like you're not going to destroy in front of 150. So you go to these open mics and you'll see guys with no stage presence who are so nervous, who are like literally shaking, holding the mic and their writing is fucking amazing. Like their jokes are really funny and like really good. And, you know, their their first hurdle is really just, you know, getting past that, like how to be themselves on stage and not be awkward. Hmm. Which do you which would you which which do you think is more important in comedy, the the performance bit or to have the jokes? Really depends. Like, it, it depends on what your style is. Right. Like there's people who are very, very likable and charismatic and they're. Um, and they're like what do you mean like more important more important in terms of success and more important in terms of like the craft because those are like two different things the craft 
Oh, I would say the joke writing is more important because like, you know, um, at the end of the day, like you're only as funny as like your material. But some people are so likable and charming that they can get up with dog shit material and still do well. But I like I think the writing is the biggest hurdle. It's so hard to just like sit there with a blank page and just be like, oh, okay, how do I make this funny? You know? And I, it just depends on what you value. Yeah. What's it called? I had uh, Nico White on a podcast and he says that he's a comedian who started when he was 14 and he's a big pro comic in New York now and he says success is on a sliding scale depending mm. on who you are. Like some people want it to just to pay the bills, some want to be on TV, but some it'll be just to be recognised. Nico, that's not the Nico from Top Secret, is it? No, that's Nico Yearwood. The, uh, this yeah. is from, he's from New York. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, Nico Yearwoods, he's he's an incredible comic. I mean, I remember him. Yeah, he's a mate of mine, yeah. Cool. I, I saw him at an open mic, like, he, with 20 minutes of new material, smashed it, and made everyone on the bill. You know, there were some pros on the bill doing their stuff, but he did 20 minutes of new material, completely new, made everyone look like amateurs. Yeah, yeah, Nico's fucking great. He's great. He's a great guy, too. I like him. And yeah, his hosting's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hosting a top secret like all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah, he's excellent. Very it's good. His home, he isn't it? He's he's, yeah. he's the second hunt show here, there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, definitely. Every time I walk in, he's like, "Oh, fucking Nico, you're here again." All the time. It, it's. I mean, there's so many great. There's Top Secret. There's Ninety Nine Comedy Club. Then there's Angel. There's the Comedy Store. I mean, there's 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 so many, and there's there's loads of different ones popping up in Central London. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about running a room in central London. I just got to get my shit together. Uh, I hate producing. I hate it with everything in me, but I'm just kind of tired of like getting on a train for an hour to go do a 10 minute spot somewhere. So I'm like, all right, well, I'd probably just like run a room around my, the corner from my house. Yeah, no, that's what I've done with, with, uh, with the, yeah. that I booked you in with Tooting and Putney. Um, they're right near me. So it's, it's, I think I think you booked me once, and then I had to bail because I got like a last minute spot in Top Secret. That was you, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I understand. If you if you got a spot <laughs> at one of the big clubs, you got to go, isn't it? You yeah, know? yeah. You I, was go. Like, I, I was like, I didn't know if you were gonna take it personally because some producers are fucking lunatic. <laughs> it will just be like, wow, can't believe you're fucking bailing. I was like very happy when you were like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Go. I was like, oh thank god, because I had just gotten here too. So I was like, oh, I don't want to piss off, you know, someone who's producing shows. Can I ask? I'm not going to say who because I'm not a gossiper. But can I ask what was the, what was the situation you've had where someone's like gone completely nuts with what you said? Oh, Vancouver and uh, Canada. It's just like it's like um like I said, there's no money, so it's all about social status. So like, there's a lot of egos and bullshit, and you know, where you're like, hey, I can't do the gig, and they're like, wow, how dare you not do this gig? I'm not paying you anything. How dare you not turn up when you, someone else is paying it? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh well, I guess you're a fucking retard, all right? <laughs> you know, like uh, I don't know. People are crazy. Uh, entertainment is like I've been in entertainment since I was like 12. So like. Like I've been surrounded by lunatics my whole life. Like, entertainment industry is like filled with lunatics. Oh yeah. You just gotta like navigate your way around that, really. Yeah, comedians are a bit mad. Actors are yeah. mad. They're all. Mad. You have to be mad to do it. It's a crazy thing to decide to do for a living. It's crazy. Yeah. 
it's it's there's something that you need what i've found in comedy is that either there's a health problem i hear a lot of people have ibs in comedy or i hear that they got adhd or something or, or... yeah i have severe adhd yeah oh and and or you got Very something serious. else you we've all had something that that's made you want to do it there's something that's missing you want a gaping hole that fills it yeah, I'm not happy unless I'm performing all the time. That's like m most of us are like that. We're all like, we're all like low level narcissists at the end of the day that we think our opinions are like that important that they need to be like spouted <laughs> on stages in front of people. <laughs> are you sure about low level? <laughs> well, there's varying degrees, but I feel like the starting point, like the entry level in order to like even do this, you have to like be a little bit of a narcissist, like a little bit or like a little bit on the sociopath spectrum, just a tiny bit, not a lot, but tiny a little bit. bit. Yeah. Now, what's it called? Is, is, is Canadian humor differ different, like in terms of like how people take the piss and tell jokes or, or is it more or less the same? I mean, it's similar enough for you to mm. lot of Canadian comics to do well. Yes. There is a difference. Yes. English comedy is a little bit more, um, I want to say pretentious, but it sounds like I'm shitting on English comedy, but I'm not. But it's a little <laughs> bit more like, fuck, every descriptor I have sounds like I'm shitting on it. But it, it's like a little bit more like intellectual and like, what are you saying? And like, you know, wordplay, like. I feel like Canadian comedy is a little bit more just like funny's funny. Like you don't need to be like making a point all the time. You know, you know, like like it can just be like like I find here like you like tell a joke and it will do well and my my English performer friends are like, "Oh, yes, that was a good joke, but you didn't like completely deconstruct capitalism and make a point about like unemployment." You, you know what I mean? Like it's a little bit more like they want you to like really say something, whereas in Canada, I feel like it's a little bit more like funny's funny. Give but... me one second, Quinn. I just need to sort something out. Sorry. No worries, mate. And one thing that's strange about Zoom, you always get that bloody recording and progress robot thing, don't you? Yeah, it's very eerie. <laughs> it's like, hello, the Chinese government is listening. Like, oh. Yeah, it is listening. I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's your mix? What are, where are you? Well, some people say that I, one thing that's been strange when I've been trying to advertise shows, some people said that I'm white. Some people have said that I look Spanish when I go to Spanish restaurants. And then others... look half white, half Asian. Yeah, that's exactly okay. it. OK, it, yeah, yeah. It's a bit mad. Sometimes. It's a good mix. I've never met an ugly half white, half Asian person ever in my life. That's true. I mean, there are a lot yeah. of hot, hot Asian and white women and um, there's I had a Love Island woman, bloody someone that I used to know, get on TV. But never mind. Um, yeah, and black as well. There's a lot of good-looking black and white women and men. Oh yeah, mixed mixed races is, is in. It's what it's all about in 2022. To be honest, the same with foods, man. I think um, this is good. <laughs> like I want to see jerk chicken with egg fried rice. I want to see um, fish and chips with um, prawn crackers. It's a good premise. Are you, do, you, do you have a bit about it? Oh, I've got a daft bit where I start saying to people, um, what's it called? I'd say to them, what, um, do you like bangers and mash? Do you like filling with breakfast? Do you like fish and chips? And then I say that if you like fish and chips, you're straight. If you like um, hush brown, you're lesbian. If you, if you like um, 
bangers and mash you're gay if you're full english you you're both and then i get some funny it's a weird thing but i get some funny responses from people when i say it fuck i gotta uh, when, when, when am i on your show again on the 25th uh on the 30th the 30th okay cool i want to see that live <laughs> i might give it a go <laughs> <laughs> i'll probably do a bit of magic to to start off with um you're doing magic when you're doing stand-up why are you doing that well, I wanted to do a bit of street performing, but I found out that when I failed at magic tricks, it, it, it gets a lot more laughs when I fail at them than when I do them right. But I um, I'm I think Magic it, Corner and Covent Garden, you do a show. I know all those boys. Yeah, I could try it. I mean, it's it's the street performing is a bit scary though. I don't if you want to do it? Let me know. I got an extra amp and stuff. If you wanna you wanna give it a go? I might do it. It's 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 I. The only thing is, I don't know how to build a crowd. <laughs> yeah. Guess how you learn. Guess how you learn. That's true. You come and do it. <laughs> that sounds like a Cobra Kai thing. Have you seen Cobra Kai? I have not, but I've heard it's good. They, they, yeah. Never mind. There's so many things in that film. They say, um, don't be a pussy. And that, that's what I'm doing, probably. <laughs> Yeah, don't be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's ballsy, man. Going out there to do street performing is ballsy. It's scary. Like a lot of like, you gotta just not be a pussy. Really, is what it is. <laughs> you gotta just go out and do it. Uh, sorry for the toxic masculinity, but yeah, that's like really what it is. You gotta just not be a pussy. You gotta you gotta not be scared to fail because like that's what it is. It's just failing over and over again in front of a live audience until you stop failing. And even when you stop failing, you're not good. You're not even okay. You're just not failing. Then you become okay. And then you're just okay for a while. And then some people get to good. And then some people get to great. But a lot of people stay at okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. They don't want to push it. I think, yeah. I think it's... Um... I don't think being okay is a sin. I know people are like, oh, they're they're just an okay comic. Fuck that person. Like, well, what's wrong? Like, they're doing their best. They're not stealing material. Like, what's wrong with just being okay? You know, <laughs> like that does happen a lot, though. I mean, it's still a big thing. Like, Darius Davis. Well, people like... especially get mad when someone's okay, and then they they get more success than them. And I do get that. But talented people usually have shit work ethic. Oh and, yes. Uh, that is, you know, yeah, what, what, I find that quite interesting. There's so many yeah. people I come across that are re super talented, incredible. Yeah. I'm really shocked at how talented they are. And then they don't they just can't bother. get out of their own way. Yeah. It's because it comes too easy to them that they think they don't bother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I was kind of one of those people, but I, I, I like realized very quickly all the people that I looked up to and thought were immensely talented. I watched them make. A bunch of mistakes that i was like keen to not make kind of thing i was just like oh fuck like that guy's really talented but he's not good at networking or marketing or branding or you know like actually like doing the work necessary to like get ahead i'm not going to be like that but i do have those tendencies as well of just like performing came very very naturally to me it's not something i had to work especially hard to be good at but i could see like the pitfalls of like not working hard to like get good at the other things that don't come naturally to me, which is like the marketing, the branding and all that and stuff, joke writing, you know? Yeah. That's a bit of a thing. I, I, I feel if I do too much at once, it will get in the way. But what I'm trying <clears> to do now is I'm trying to maybe devote one day to each set of things. Yeah. There's um, 
That like, do you know? Oh fuck, what's his name? I'm reading his book right now. Jesus, where's um? Oh, my books are in the other room. Um, the guy who wrote the Four Hour Work Week. Oh, um, Tim, Tim Har- Ferris. Tim Ferris. He talks about the the emotional and the mental cost of switching um, what you're doing throughout a day is like, it's, it's so much that you're better at just picking one thing each day. Like, okay, today I'm just focusing on this. And then this day I'm just focusing on this where you're like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this today. And they're all very different things. It actually like costs your brain a lot to have to like switch gears and, and pick something else to, to focus on. But one of the things that is quite good now is that with comedy, there's a lot of people that are making their own way. And mm-hmm. the content is probably better than what you see on TV now. Oh, agreed. But that's because, like, yeah, like what's on TV is just not what the public wants. It's what, like, white women who took marketing classes are telling them they want. So, yeah. <laughs> you basically said what it's like with a woman when she says, I want a nice guy that treats me really well. And then when you get some guy that says, listen, bitch, go down to my house right now. And she's like, <laughs> like flies around shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's um, it's a journey, man. It's a journey. Everyone's got their own path. Some people make it, some people don't. I don't know. I My biggest advice to comics is always like get your side hustles in check. Like 99% of comedians aren't going to make a living at this, even if they're really, really talented. You kind of need like industry help for some people to do that. Not everyone's going to get that. Get your side hustles in check. Have a have something that is not comedy that's making you money so that that if comedy doesn't pay off your whole life isn't for nothing. <laughs> oh, and also I think um, focus on the things that you can control. One of the things that you can't. Yeah. Entertainment, so little of it is in your control. I mean, that makes like some of it is a lot of it is, but a lot of it isn't, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know people who are like very, very talented that don't get, um, you know, the chances that they should. And I know people who are like not talented who get opportunities that they shouldn't. And then, you know, and, and also vice versa. So like a lot of it, it's just like, you gotta, you gotta have your side hustles in check. You know, what, um, what food do you meal do you think represents the comedy journey and what food meal represents what you need to be a good comic? <laughs> An extra large Big Mac meal. It tastes amazing at first. You're like, oh my God, I could eat this forever. But in the end, it will eventually kill you. <laughs> and what about being a good comic? Like your your mindset and like what you do and all that. Food that represents being like a good comic. Maybe like a pistachio, a salted <laughs> pistachio. A <laughs> pistachio. <laughs> You're like, it, it tastes really good when you first put it in your mouth because it's like salted and like really good. And then you, but you have to like work kind of hard to like get the shell off to like actually get to the actual nut. And then you like finally get to the nut and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. It's okay. But like, it wasn't as good as the journey of like getting to the nut. It was like, wasn't as good as like the salty, you know? <laughs> nah. But one of the things that I do want to, talk about on top of that like i think whenever you do comedy in another country i think so there are things that you have to learn from it but i think definitely it does help like i mean i've i think the french accent's beautiful 
I think certain accents when they do comedy, it, it's it's a lot funnier in English. I'm pretty sure mm. if we did it the other way, it would help a lot as well. And I, I can't it. imagine doing comedy in a in a language that isn't my own. And hats off to anyone who does. I always get mad when people are like, "Oh, he's not that funny." I'm like, "Yeah, well, he's speaking a different language." So fucking like, could you go to Japan and be funny tomorrow? No, you couldn't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> They could be funny in the wrong way in that they try and say a sentence and they don't know a single word. Yeah, exactly. But I think I've been to New York a couple of times and I got a few spots here and there because I was English. And Yeah, that that's a big thing. I did that. I, do, I pulled that move in Canada with like a club that was like never getting back to my emails. I like moved to England for like a few months and then I sent them an email from England being like, Hey, I'm a comic living in England that's going to be in Canada for these two weeks. Can I have a spot? They're like, yes, of course. Come on in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas when I was a local, they're like, yeah, fuck off. You're just like a local, whatever. But like when I emailed from like, I'm an, I'm a comedian that's successful enough to be in another country, to be a loser in another country. They're like, oh, great. Come on in. Yeah. Why is it they treat you like you're a... Uh bit of pistachio sauce on chips or yeah. something like it, it's, yeah it, that's what i find interesting in a lot of comedy scenes across the country when you're abroad and you're someone coming in they they it helps you it does help you to a degree yes yes i would agree and in what way do you think it could also hinder in what way could it hinder your career yeah what because i think there's there's plus and a minus with a lot of things. Sorry, ask me the question again. I'm, um, I'm running on low brain function. So if being like someone who's outside, being an outsider, does what are also the drawbacks that could happen? In terms oh, top, of tall poppy syndrome, for sure. Like, England has pretty intense like xenophobia from what I've encountered. There's like a little bit of like, who the fuck are you? You're not from here. You're coming in. You're fucking. Blah, blah, blah. But I kind of like being up against that. If I'm being honest, I like, like obviously it's bad and it should go away. But like, I, I kind of like that. Like, oh, who the fuck are you? You're not even from here. And now you're taking our jobs. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Not from here taking your jobs. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> but like, I, I mean, I'm a. I'm a fucking crazy person, so. You right? Let's let's do it at the back. Come on, let's go. Is that what you did? No, 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 not even. No, fucking. I'm I'm almost thirty. You're still fighting after twenty five. You're a fucking loser. Why is that? Fist, fist fight. Fist fights are something you do in your early twenties and your teenage years. You into a fist fight after the age of twenty five, you're an idiot. You you want to risk losing your teeth and your brain? function over what words over something something said to you like what are you five years old <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> are <laughs> yeah someone says something shitty to you just go eh, that's your opinion how about fuck you eh, i don't care eat this the only time you should ever get physical with someone is if they're attacking you like, like there's no there's no excuse like you know it's just, uh, I, you know what, the reason I have a different outlook on this is because when I was 26, I had a really intense, uh, no, was I 25? I think I might've been 25. I had a really intense brain injury that um, reshaped my life. And um, so now, now I view fights differently, you know, like every, every time you get into a fight, you know, you could like easily 
you know, hit your head on the concrete, die, get brain damage, and your life is difficult forever. You know what I mean? It's just like, what? Like, nothing's worth that. Nothing's yeah. worth that. <laughs> like, it really isn't. Like, having a broken arm is one thing. Having a broken brain is, like, a, another thing. And it's like, I, I just can't imagine a scenario where it's worth risking that. Yeah. And what, what's... So, what would be... Um, so, your advice for that is just... just just say let's fight tomorrow or something or let's go to brazilian jiu-jitsu gym or boxing club what if someone wants to fight you yeah oh if someone like it's like i want to fight you just uh, be like ah throw the first punch and i'll defend myself but like never seek it out is what i'm saying never be like you said this about my mother now i'm going to fight you like that i feel like that's some fucking 22 year old shit you fucking said this. Let's go. Oh, you want to fucking go? You're going to fight me over words? What are you, five <laughs> years old? You know, then, then you just insult them. You just like, you're like, like, why are you five years old? You're going to fight me over words? What are you, a fucking pussy? What are you, a baby? You know, like, <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather fight with my words than uh, with my fists. Now, everything... and I'm a good fighter, too. Like, I can't fight. But it's just like, it's like, why? Why? What's the point? Fucking caveman shit. Hmm. What would you say from as so you've been doing comedy a while, you've been doing street performing. You must have encountered a lot of fucked up things and things that have gone, what the hell happened here? And what have been your biggest what the F moments in comedy and in street performing? The biggest what the F moments in comedy and street performing, this sounds really lame and not that exciting, but it's usually like political agendas. You know, like someone is like, oh, this person's in my way. So I'm going to like backstab them and like ruin their reputation so I can get ahead. Like that's like truly the most terrifying things I've witnessed in, in the entertainment industry is really things like that. Like people doing like some weird sneaky Game of Thrones shit to get rid of people that are standing in their way that's the, the most terrifying thing in, in entertainment that i've witnessed i've seen fights i've seen blah, 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 i've seen all of that but like none of that really pales in comparison to like the sneaky machiavellian attitude that some performers have where they they pretend to be a friend and they work so hard to try and make sure this person never gets booked again yeah no absolutely yeah 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 i've had that a million times um not to me, but I've seen it happen a million times. Um, yeah, it's horrible. Like, I think that a really good piece of advice is don't mistake comics for your friends. They're your coworkers. Like, yeah. a, a handful of them will become your friends, sure. But, like, a lot of them are just your coworkers. Like, if you only see someone when you're doing a set, they are your coworker. If you can't call them up and go, like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm, like, in the neighborhood. I'm about to buy pants. Do you want to come? And if they're like, uh, I don't know, that's weird. Why are you asking me to come buy pants with you? They're not your friend. Like, they're, they're not. They're, they're your coworker. Whereas, like, a friend would be like, oh, you're buying pants? Oh, cool. I'm in the neighborhood. All right. Yeah, cool. I'll come down. Let's hang out. Like, that's a friend. And I feel like a lot of people confuse the two. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's well, it's because people are so hungry for success that they think that, I think one of the biggest things about that, they think, oh, if I get famous, if I get on TV, all my problems and all the bad things are going to go away. I'm oh. going to be on, on TV. I'm going to have the stars. I'm going to have this. No. I, hung out with a, I, went, I went for dinner with a famous comedian last night who's worth like 
millions of pounds and he's fucking miserable <laughs> exactly that's the answer to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah it never goes away but it, i think that's isn't that sort of the reason for it they think they, they believe in this fairy tale that people believe oh prince charming's gonna come oh that magical lady's gonna come don't get no. me wrong like having lots of money does change what your problems are and it does make your life easier and it is great but yeah there's still other problems in your life like the only time money's made me happy is when it's like increased my lifestyle you know like when it's gone when it's like gotten me from being homeless to having my own place from like having my own place with roommates to having my own place with no roommates from like living in a shitty building to a nice bit like when it's increased my lifestyle it's always made me happy but more money in my bank account is like never made me happier the only time it's ever made me happier is when it's like made my life easier you know yeah it's but it's not lasting things well so what let's do it all metaphysical what is the true answer to happiness <laughs> enjoy the ride if you don't enjoy the ride if you don't enjoy where you are you're fucked get off the train nah. because the train never ends the the journey of success is like an ongoing thing that never ends so if you don't enjoy the journey and you're looking to the destination to be where you find happiness you're fucked and you're never going to find it but if you enjoy that chase like if you enjoy the chase to the destination you'll be happy forever and for any what is the best thing do you think about comedy what has comedy given you the ability to connect with an audience, I fucking love. I love it so much. It's the best. Like last night at Top Secret, I had like an audience that was just laughing at all the shit that normally white people get really uncomfortable with. And they were just so great. And I got to tell them a joke that like normally bombs in front of sensitive people. And I got to just tell them like, hey guys, I'm gonna tell you a joke that's gotten me banned from two different venues, but I think you guys can handle it. Can you guys handle it? And they're like, yeah. And I got to like, you know, throw like, just that raw authenticity and connection of like really, really connecting with a crowd. I fucking love. It's the best. It's like, it's everything that humans were designed to do, I think, is like connect with each other and like find common ground. And when you're able to do that on stage, it's like amazing. Hmm. And for anyone that wants to find out about you, how do they, um, how do they do it, Quinn? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Quinn Comedian. Quinn comedian. Um, there's a really cringy TED talk that I did um, on YouTube. If you put in my name, Quinn Beasley, it should come up. If you want to see my life story of going from like homeless to artist to a successful artist, not meaning a rich artist, but like making a living. That's what successful artist is. Is not is not like I'm rich, but like hey, I make a full living off my art. If you want to see my journey on how I did that, you can find that on YouTube by just putting in my name. I'll be the first thing that comes up. Okay. Well, oh, and uh, my podcast is the Quinn Beasley Show. Subject to name change, I'm gonna change the name, but yeah. Okay, just um, send me the link in it, and I will post it around. Oh uh, yeah, guys, that's been Quinn. I hope you've enjoyed him. Make sure. Um, I hope you've liked the episode. If you have, share it with your friends. Give us a review on Amazon or iTunes, and most importantly, subscribe and enjoy this fantastic comedy journey. Take care, guys. Awesome.